On May 23rd, 2013, at approximately 6 p.m. in the evening, I received a phone call that would change the course of my life from that point forward. My wife and I were sitting down for supper, taking a break from packing up our apartment, an apartment from which we would be moving four days from then. On the phone was a good friend of mine who told me that my mom and my younger siblings were in a car accident. He said, the kids are okay, but Timothy... Your mom did not make it. I don't remember everything that was said after that, but I remember the shock and the disbelief and the overwhelming pain and panic that began to set in. I remember screaming. I remember crying. And I just remember needing to get home. We loaded up and we began to drive to Houston because I had to be with my family. And I thought maybe... It was all just a bad dream. Maybe it was a nightmare that I would wake up from, but it wasn't. It was real. My mom, the woman who raised me, who loved me, and who was always there for me every day, was gone. And the next few days, weeks, and months were the hardest of my life to this point. To this day, I feel that pain of her loss, and I miss her terribly. That storm of life was particularly brutal for me and my family to endure. Some of you here tonight have experienced a similar loss in your life, and you know all too well the grief and the pain of which I speak. Others of you have experienced different kinds of storms, like health issues and relationship problems, financial struggles, or suffering because of another person's selfish decisions. These hardships that we walk through are the raging storms of life, and they are not pleasant, they are painful, and they are potentially very destructive to our spiritual walk. Jesus talks about these storms of life in a parable of two builders in Matthew the seventh chapter. In verse 24 he says, therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus describes here two men, one wise and one foolish. They both built houses but they chose different foundations upon which to build. The wise man chose a strong, long-lasting foundation of rock upon which to build his house, while the foolish man chose the unstable and shifting sands. And when the storms arrived, when the rains descended and the floods came up, the wise man's house continued to stand firm and strong, despite the tempest that was raging around it. It may have been beaten up, it may have even taken some damage during the storm, but it stood and it continued to stand there with a sure foundation in place. In contrast, that foolish man's house was battered and it was damaged beyond repair. The swirling waters, the floodwaters beneath it shifted that sand foundation and it crumbled. It fell and it could no longer stand. It was destroyed. And Jesus compares the wise man in this parable with the person who hears his teaching and does them. And we know that this passage in Matthew chapter 7 comes at the end of this teaching that he's giving here between Matthew 5 and Matthew 7. And he talks about a lot of things. He talks about the Beatitudes. He talks about the new standard that we're supposed to live in our life. He talks about that 
new law that's going to be instituted and how we as Christians ought to treat one another and how we should look to God first in our life. He taught about a lot of those spiritual principles in those chapters. And then he tells about this parable. That person that is wise will listen to those teachings and will live them out. And they're like that wise man that built his house upon the rock And yet those people that hear Jesus' teaching and choose to do nothing, but they choose to continue living a self-centered and selfish life, they are the people whose house will fall when those storms arrive. This type of foolish person knows what is right. They have heard the word. They have heard Jesus' teaching, but they have chosen to continue living for themselves. They may care only about their own physical prosperity or physical pleasure. They've built their house upon the temporal things of this world. And so as we consider this parable this evening, I want to make a few applications in our lives that I think can help us as we face the storms that either have come, that we are in right now, or that will certainly come at some point in our life. The first thing that I want you to know about storms this evening is that they are a part of life. They are a part of the human experience, the human existence. All we have to do is look around us and consider the hard realities that we face as human beings. As a nation, we have faced storms. From Pearl Harbor to 9-11, from the Great Depression to the Great Recession, from bad policies to bad leaders, we have endured hardships and tough times as a country and as a nation. And we recognize that these things are a part of life and likely more storms are on the horizon. As a church of Jesus Christ, we've faced storms throughout our history. From government oppression to persecution, from false teachers to unscriptural doctrines we've had to battle against, from churches with poor leadership to churches with no leadership, from pandemics to mask mandates to stay-at-home orders, the church has faced challenges throughout its history. And we will continue to. We recognize that even as a body of Christ, even as a congregation of the Lord's church, there will be hardships that we will have to endure. There will likely be more laws that will be passed that are unfriendly to Christians the more time goes on. There will likely continue to be less tolerance towards biblical beliefs. And there may well come a day when persecution is a very real thing that is happening to Christians in this country. The reality is we recognize that even as a church, we go through storms and more are likely on the horizon. As an individual, we have life storms that overtake us. Well, like me, some of you can think back to the storms of the past and difficult times that you have experienced in your life thus far. Some of you here today are in the midst of a storm. Maybe you've recently lost a loved one. Or you're watching someone you love suffer physically. Maybe you're dealing with a health issue that causes you constant pain. Or a terminal diagnosis that demands that you face your own mortality. Maybe you're having relationship issues. Facing the possibility of a broken marriage or rebellious children. Maybe you've lost your job. You've been injured. You've been mistreated by someone. Or you've been dealing with mental and emotional difficulties that no one else can see. But no matter what the storm that you may be facing today or what storms you have faced in the past, I think these experiences should at least make it clear to us that storms are a part of life. And if we aren't facing one now, it is likely that we will at some point in our life. I want you to know that biblical characters were no different. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, biblical characters faced the storms of life. 
Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. We talked about that. Job lost his children and his great wealth. Ruth lost her husband and her homeland when she followed her mother-in-law. David lost a child. John the Baptist was beheaded. The apostles were beaten and thrown in prison and martyred for the cause. Paul was thrown in prison, shipwrecked and put on trial. Stephen was stoned to death. And we could go on and on about the storms that Christians have faced and that biblical characters have faced. And while all of us, I'm sure including those biblical characters that lived during those times, would rather live peaceful lives with no hardships and no difficulties, that's simply not the reality of our existence. It's not the reality of life. Storms are a part of life. Now many people faced with the reality of a hardship like something we've mentioned tonight believe that the most important question that they need answered is why. Why am I facing this storm? Why did this happen to me? Or why would a loving God allow such a tragedy or such a thing to happen? These situations, when combined with a misunderstanding of how God has chosen to interact with you and I, have led some people to question God's purpose, His love, and even God's very existence. And so while I believe that there are more important questions that we should be asking when we face the storms of life, I want to spend a couple of minutes this evening and I want to answer this one. I want to share with you some biblical answers to the question of why. You know, the reality is that storms of life come sometimes as a result of natural consequences, of our own free will decisions. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we see an amazing paradise that God had created. And you recall, God put Adam and Eve in this garden, and they had communion with God. They walked with God. They had an amazing paradise to live in. The tree of life was there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had everything that they would have ever needed without the worries of pain, sorrow, or even death. If man had remained there, they would have lived forever in that paradise on earth. But in Genesis chapter 3, something happened that changed all of that, didn't it? Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God. They chose to commit sin. And when they did that, they started a chain reaction of natural consequences that God allowed to take place. It changed the reality of our existence as human beings forever. As a result of the fall from the garden, God decreed that we would be subject to certain natural consequences. In fact, he decreed there that no longer would we live in that paradise. He cast Adam and Eve out, but we would face difficulty in everyday tasks like growing food to eat and like bearing children. We would also now be forced to face our own mortality, for death was now a reality, both physical and spiritual death. Those are the consequences of our rebellion as humans. We changed our own reality. And it's during these types of hardships, these types of storms in life that are the result of our own free will-based decisions that we need to remember not to blame God, but to blame ourselves. Because sometimes we face a storm of our own making. We made a bad decision and now we're facing the bad consequence of it. Sometimes that's the reality of our storm. And we need to look ourselves honestly in the mirror and recognize that that may be the answer why. But we also are subject to Satan's influence and the evil choices of others, the free will choices that other people make that we have no control over. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. In addition to our free will, our adversary Satan has chosen to be a thorn in our side, just like he was to Adam and Eve in the garden. And though he can't control you or me or anyone else, He can't force us to do the things that we won't choose to do. He can certainly tempt us and draw us away from God. And he can do the same with others. And in that drawing away others toward evil, and when other people succumb to that evil, 
Their actions, whether intentionally or unintentionally, can cause us a tremendous amount of hurt and pain and hardship. And it is in these situations that we must remember not to blame God, but to blame Satan and the influence that he wields still over this world and the evil that, is, that comes as a result of that. But in addition, we find that sometimes the answer why to these storms is simply a matter of time and chance. In Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 11, the scripture says again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor the riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Solomon teaches us a very important principle that comes into play when we are talking about these storms of life that we face. The reality is sometimes accidents just happen. Sometimes tragedies befall us for no other reason than the wrong place at the wrong time. Time and chance. Sometimes the luck of the draw genetically can cause us mental, uh, physical or mental difficulties in life. Sometimes we happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and there's just nothing more to it than that. Brothers and sisters, as you face your storms, remember that there are many reasons why. But at the end of the story, I think we need to recognize that there are multiple reasons why a storm may take place, whether it be from the consequences of our own actions, from Satan's influence or the free will decisions of others, or simply time and chance. But this one thing I know, and I think we can be confident in, that God does not cause the storms in our life. And too many people fall into the trap of believing that if God is in control of everything and that he is the ultimate power and authority over the universe, then he is the cause, the literal cause of everything that happens. And therefore, when I suffer, when I am caused pain or hardship in my life, then it is God doing it to me. And I think we need to recognize and know that God does not cause the storms. He is not punishing you. He is not withholding his love from you. In fact, God has warned us and shown us over and over again in his word that the storms of life will come. And it was no different for the people that lived in biblical days than it is for you and I. Storms of life are in existence. They're a part of our existence. What God is asking from you and I today is to prepare for the reality that in our life, whether now or at some point in the future, we're going to face these hardships of life, these storms that will rage around us. He's asking us to build our life house upon the foundation that will endure these storms. He's asking us to be the wise man and not the foolish man. To not build our life upon the shifting and unstable foundation of sand. But instead to build it upon him. On a foundation that will stand into eternity. And so instead of asking why and continuing to battle the why question over and over every day of our life, of why me? Why is God allowing this to happen? Instead, I think we need to recognize there's a myriad of reasons why it may be happening, but there's more important questions we should be asking. Like, how can I avoid building my house upon the sand? What do I need to do in order to make sure that I endure this storm? How has God promised me or promised that he would help me through it? I want you to know that storms will destroy a temporal foundation. And we remember that Jesus compared this foolish man who built his house upon the sand to the person that hears the teachings of God and Jesus but ignores them and goes on their way. This is the person that builds their life on the temporary and physical things of this life. The foolish will live for this life. And when the storms of life hit, they can easily destroy the physical aspects of our life. These storms of life can take our health, they can take our loved ones, they can take, out, take our jobs, they can take our wealth, they can take our comfort, and in an instant, these things might be gone. 
When our happiness, our contentment, and our focus in life are founded upon these temporal and physical things, when our life purpose is about obtaining and keeping the physical pleasures and the physical possessions of life, then it's no wonder that when those storms of life hit that we are so easily shaken from our spiritual foundation because our spiritual foundation has been weakened by the sand that we've built our life upon. Those storms will cause havoc in our life and eventually will lead to our destruction. They will cause us to lose faith and trust in God while here and ultimately if we continue to live a life with our house built upon the sand then we will face an eternity in hell. And that's certainly not a result that any of us desire. But it is because of a temporal foundation that some people become angry and embittered towards God. It's because of a temporal foundation that some people turn to drugs and alcohol to dull the pain of the storm that they're walking through. And it's because of a temporal foundation that some people fall into a sorrow and a depression so deep that they begin to self-harm and perhaps even turn to suicide. It's because of a temporal foundation that some people who may never face such hardship or difficulty in this life will still crumble and fall and be destroyed in eternity. We can look at Judas as an example of this. In Matthew 27, 3 through 5, we talked a little bit about Judas this morning. What was the end result of Judas's life? He built his foundation upon greed and upon sin, upon a love of money that prompted him to betray the Son of God into the hands of the Jews and the Romans. And when the storm was raging the hardest around him, when he realized that Jesus really was being put to death and it really was his fault and the guilt began to overcome him, was he able to withstand that? Did he have the faith and trust and strength to withstand that? Or did he give up? It says, Then Judas, when he had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. When the storm became too much, when the guilt began to overcome him, he gave up. And he hanged himself. He gave up on his own life. Because he had not built his foundation upon the strength of God and of Jesus Christ. We can look at a story of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. And you remember this young man comes to Jesus and he asks, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, keep the law. And he says, I've done that from my youth up. What do I lack? Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. The result of this interaction was that this rich young ruler was grieved and sorrowful, knowing that he had such great wealth and such great possessions and that what Jesus was asking for was a huge sacrifice for him. And in the process of holding on to those temporal and physical blessings, he gave up the most important thing that he could have acquired and obtained. Eternal life through Jesus Christ. He built his life upon a temporal foundation, a foundation of sand that will crumble in the end and that will not lead to his eternal salvation. If he were to lose his riches at some point in the future, what purpose, happiness, or satisfaction would he have in life when that is number one? And more than that, at the end of his life, when he, like all of us, faced death, will his riches be enough to buy his way into heaven? Certainly not. And how sad to face death knowing that your purpose for existence here on this earth, what you have spent your life doing, is now pointless and vain and empty in eternity. Without the spiritual foundation of Christ and salvation, what hope do any of us have in this life or in the next? 
That just as storms will destroy a temporal foundation, they cannot shake a spiritual one. They cannot move a house that is built upon a foundation of rock. They cannot destroy a life that is built upon the truth of God's word and a faith in Jesus Christ because those things can withstand the storms. A spiritual foundation will endure through all of life's trials and allow us to transition into eternity with confidence. Remember, of course, Jesus compares that wise man who built his house upon the rock with those of us that hear the teachings of Christ and implement them in our life. Want us to think about the fact that though these storms of life can take away the physical things, they can take away our health, they can take away our wealth, they can take away our comforts and all those things in this life, they can't take away our faith. They can't take away our trust, our hope, our love, our peace, or our salvation unless we let them. Unless we allow our faith to fail. Unless we allow ourselves to look inward and look at this temporary existence and see it as more important. If we will continue to have our focus on the spiritual, on the eternal, then the storms of life cannot shake that kind of a faith. I want to encourage you to prepare for the storms that are coming. You know, in 2017, Hurricane Harvey hit the Houston area. It sat on top of us, basically, and dumped as much as 60 inches of rain in a matter of four days. Over 13 million people in the area were affected. Nearly 135,000 homes were damaged or destroyed in this historic flooding. And up to a million cars were wrecked or totaled as a result of this storm. But you know, once a hurricane hits, there's not much you can do but buckle down. You have to just batten down the hatches and hope for the best and hope you get through it. But before it arrives, there are things that you can do. You can leave town and not be there. That's a choice. You can put sandbags at your door. You can stock up on food. You can put gas in your generator. There's a number of things you can do to try to help you prepare for the storm that's coming. And the same is true with the storms of life. We need to be actively preparing for a storm, especially tonight. If you find yourself in a good place and you're not walking through a storm right now, just know that at some point you might be. And you need to spend these moments when life is good, building and preparing upon the foundation of God and Christ, building your faith and your trust in Him, being ready for that storm that will likely come. And I want to give you a few suggestions as to how to prepare for that storm. Number one, grab hold of salvation and hold on to it tight. Make sure that it is the number one most important thing in your life. Psalm 37, 39 says, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Those of us that have been saved by Jesus Christ, we need to recognize the immense blessing that, that that is and hold on to that when we're going through tough times. And remember that most importantly, no matter what we're facing, we have been saved by the blood of Christ. And if we start building our life house upon that foundation with our salvation through Jesus as the cornerstone of that foundation, then our faith can be strong and ready to withstand that storm. I want to encourage you to read and learn God's word. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, without knowing God's word, it's impossible to construct your life according to its pattern. And those that build homes follow a pattern in order to build that home successfully the way that it was designed. And if we want to build our lives the way that God has designed them so that they will be able to withstand the storms of life, then we must know and apply God's word. That means we should be reading scripture on a daily basis. We should be seeking to memorize verses and apply that scripture to our heart. We should be working to understand even the most difficult of passages and ask questions when we don't understand something. But to seek to really come to a full knowledge of God's will and understanding in our life, that should be a lifelong continual pursuit of ours. 
Without that spiritual knowledge, how can we expect to withstand some of these most difficult storms that we will face in life? I want to encourage you to make spiritually based decisions, not physically based ones. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. Knowing God's word is important, but applying it is equally as important. It does no good if we put all of that scripture in our heart and then we do not apply it in our life. The next step is to construct a firm foundation. If you want to be wise and able to withstand the difficulties that you'll face in life, you need to construct your personal life, your work life, and your church life in accordance with Christ's teachings. And when you have a decision to make in any of these areas, do not consider the financial implications first. Do not consider the, the effect it will have on your comfort or on your health or on your wealth. Consider the effect that it will have on your spiritual life and the spiritual life of your family and the spiritual strength of your church. And make your decisions with that spiritual mindset first before the physical one because only when we have our priorities correctly in place will we be better prepared to withstand a storm that is likely coming. And so I want to encourage you this evening, no matter what you are facing today or maybe your life is good right now and you're not walking through a storm, prepare for it. Do these things consistently day in and day out so that you'll be ready for those difficult times of life. And then when those times hit, we have to be able and willing to withstand and to walk through them. And I have a few suggestions to help us as we face these difficulties of life. Number one, rely on the promises of God and keep moving forward. Philippians 3.13, Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not saying I've got everything together, but he said, this is what I do. I leave the past behind me and I keep moving forward. I have a goal set in mind for where I want to get to and I keep moving forward. And you know, when you're in the midst of one of life's storms, this can be hard to remember. But God has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. He has promised to be with you. And though we may feel alone at times, we need to remember that God's promises are still true, even in the midst of these storms that we face. And so I want to encourage you to take it day by day and keep moving forward, even if it's an inch at a time. Make little changes or little improvements. Work to be the best that you can be, no matter your situation, whether it's good or bad. Every day that you wake up, and no matter how tough it gets, keep pushing yourself forward. Number two, ask for help and rely on your church family. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That picture there was taken during Hurricane Harvey. And it was amazing as a Houstonian and living in that area during that time to see the love and the compassion that the entire community, that the entire city had for one another. That none of the other differences and things about politics or beliefs, none of that mattered in that moment. Everybody came together. We sought the best for one another. You had complete strangers showing up to help tear sheetrock out and replace things for people. Helping to build back after these storms hit. But you know, as a church, we also felt the impact of that love. Churches all across the brotherhood raised money to send down to our area to help rebuild homes of church members and church buildings that had been damaged by the immense flooding that had taken place during that storm. And there was a lot of money that was raised and there were a lot of volunteers that came down and put in hours of work, volunteer labor to help. 
And we saw that in a very real way during a very real intense storm that it helps when you have people around you that care about you and that love you. And I've already told you this week about the story that means so much to me about the Harlingen Church there and them packing up our apartment and bringing all of our things up to us and telling us that you don't have to worry about it. It's done. And church family is so important in those difficult times. We all face struggles. None of us are immune to these things. Don't feel like you can't come to your church family and ask for help. That's what they're here for. Talk to one another. Pray for one another. Ask for strength. Ask to study. Ask to spend time together. Ask for those things that you need because all of us face those struggles and we don't need to face them alone. We need people in our corner that love us and that care about us and that will be there to help us. And I want to encourage you as a church to be there for each other. To be there for that person, that friend, that church member who's going through a rough and difficult time. To spend the time to see what that need that they have is and see how you can best meet it. Because those will help each of us as we walk through the difficulties of life to do it with faith and with trust in God. I want to encourage you to pray for spiritual help. When you're facing something in life that's very difficult and very hard and very painful, pray for spiritual help. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, prayer is an opportunity for us to lay all of our cares and burdens on the Lord. And it's an immense blessing that we have. But often in the midst of a storm, we pray that God would remove the hardship from us. We pray that we would be protected from the impact of the storm. And while God certainly has the power to do whatever he chooses to do, and while it is certainly not wrong to let God know our preference and our desire in those things, what I want, you to, what I want to encourage you to do is to modify your prayerful request to God. Instead of only praying that God would remove the storm, or protect you from it, and then being disappointed in him when the storm continues to rage around you, pray that God would provide you the strength to overcome it. Pray that he would increase your faith. Pray that he would provide you with wisdom as you move forward and make decisions during those difficult times. Pray that he would give you the peace of mind in your situation, whether the outcome is a positive one or not. Ask for spiritual help and use prayer in that way. And I think we'll find that when we don't limit ourselves to asking God to remove the storms, but we instead ask him for strength and faith to overcome them, that that strength and that faith will be granted. And that he will help us. And he'll help us not only through the internal strength and faith that he can give us, but through our church family and those that can act, that can be behind us, that can support us. And we'll see that love, we'll see that care, and it will bolster us in those worst times of life. You know, the reality is that all of us face storms, Christians included. Many Christians choose to believe that when they come to Christ, that God will supernaturally protect them from danger or harm. Many believe that with enough prayer, the storms of life can be avoided or removed from their life. And while God is certainly capable of that, he has never promised that to his people. He has never promised that Christians would be immune from suffering. 
And if he had, I think we would see example after example in the scripture, in the New Testament, I think we would see the first century church and the apostles being protected from becoming martyrs. I think we would see that God cared about their physical suffering more than the spiritual and protected them from those things. But that's not what we see, brothers and sisters. What we see is that God's priority is what our priority should be. It's the spiritual, not the physical. And that though God loves us and he cares about us and I think he does want us to have good, happy, joy-filled physical lives while, while we are here, that is not his primary concern. His primary concern is our spiritual life, our spiritual faith, our spiritual foundation and ultimately our eternal destination. And so I want to encourage you to remember that we all face storms as human, humans and God has never promised us we would be immune from that but what he has promised is that he will help us to get through. Matthew chapter 5 verse 45 says that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. God has chosen to allow these storms of life to affect all of us. Whether we have built our life upon a sure foundation of rock of Jesus Christ or whether we have chosen to build it on the sandy foundation of physical things. God has chosen to allow all of us to face these storms. And just because you're a Christian does not mean God will suddenly shield you from that. But he will give you a hope and a confidence that can keep you going during those tough times. He will provide a peace that surpasses all understanding. He will be there for you, not only in those ways, but of course also through the actions of his church and through his people. When your house is built upon Christ, and you live with that kind of spiritual focus first, the spiritual over the physical, you'll be able to face whatever this physical life throws at you. Not because God changed the storm, but because God changed you. And we can face those things through the power and the strength that God will give us and provide. I want you to know this evening that ultimately, God has also promised that storms will pass. This life is full of trouble, it's full of hardship, we all recognize that. We recognize that these storms are a part of life, but God's promise to his faithful children is that one day these storms will be over and they will pass. And you know, sometimes that will happen in this life. Many of the storms that we walk through in this life are temporary in nature and they won't last forever. As difficult as the storm was seven years ago when I lost my mom, moving forward, Relying on the promises of God, praying for spiritual strength, has allowed the worst of that storm to pass. It has allowed me to move forward, to trust him, to have faith in him, and to not be burdened down by that storm that once was very intense around me. Some sicknesses and some diseases can be overcome, and health can be restored. Some relationships can be mended, and joy can be found between loved ones again. Some wounds will heal. And if we have our foundation properly in place and keep moving forward, some of these storms that we face in life, they will pass. And we can begin to focus on rebuilding our life. And I want you to know that if you're in one of those temporary storms, you will be able to rebuild. And you can find joy again. And you can find peace again. And it can come if you rely on the promises of God and keep pushing forward. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. If you're walking through a temporary storm today, keep trusting in the promises of God and keep moving forward. 
But even if your storm is not temporary, if it doesn't pass on this side of eternity, remember that our ultimate joy comes in the eternal morning. We have an eternal home waiting for us. We have been given the greatest gift and blessing imaginable in the eternal life that we have through Jesus Christ. And while the hope of heaven may not diminish the hurt or the grief or the stress that we feel when the storm is raging, it can provide us with the hope and the trust and the faith we need to endure it. We know that the realities of heaven's wonder will far outweigh the difficulties of this life's storms. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. For those who have lost Christian loved ones, you will be reunited with them in heaven. For those of you who are suffering from disease and pain, you will be given a new glorified body in heaven. Every hurt, every sorrow, and every tear will be taken away. Death will no longer be an enemy that we have to face. And what a magnificent promise that is to those who choose to build their life house upon the sure foundation of Christ and His teaching. In that eternal paradise of heaven that God has prepared for us, the faith and endurance that it takes to withstand the, the, storm, to withstand the storms of this life will have been well worth it. So if you're not in a storm today, prepare for one like it's coming because it likely is. As a church, prepare for the storms that are on the horizon. As an individual, prepare for those days of your life that won't be going so well. Where you will be facing these types of difficulties. Build your proper foundation with that spiritual focus and spiritual purpose. And if you're in the midst of a storm right now, please don't blame God. Because God is not the cause of your storm. Reach out to your church family for help. And pray as often as you can. Pray not only that the storm would be taken away. But that when the night is darkest and the storm is at its worst point. That we would have the courage and the faith and the trust in God to withstand it. Keep the faith. Brothers and sisters, don't give up. No matter what you're facing and no matter what you're going through tonight, it's certainly not worth giving up. It's not worth doing what Judas did and realizing that he had made a mistake and being unwilling to make it right. Don't give up, but keep the faith. Focus on God and keep pushing forward. And remember that joy will come in the morning. Whether that's a physical morning here, or an eternal morning in heaven. If we'll trust in God's promises, he will be faithful to carry them out. And I want to leave you with those thoughts this evening. If you're here and you're not a member of Christ Church, make that choice tonight. You have an opportunity to have that promise apply to you. If you're here and you are a member of Christ Church, maybe you're walking through a storm today. Maybe you need the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe you need their spiritual strength and their help. They are here to help you. And if we as a church can do anything for you this evening, we would ask that you come sit on a front pew as we stand and sing. <laughs>